Ethical disclaimer. While Diana and I are psychologists, we aren't your psychologists. Reverse psychology is not a replacement for therapy. If you're interested in speaking with a therapist, please check out some of the links in our episode description. Now, on with the show. Hello. Can Hi. you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Um, yeah. In my, in my face, I can hear you. You still have a cute little smoothie mustache. Um, is it gone? Except for the, now you have a smoothie beauty mustache. Aww. Sorry. Um, Adorable. What is happening with you right now? Oh, that's a... So we're just going to dive right in? <laughs> oh, wait. No. This is Reverse Psychology, the podcast. Who are, whom are we? We are... Di- I'm Diana. We are both Diana. We are. I'm Diana. Um, I am a licensed psychologist, board certified behavior analyst, D... Yeah, I get that. Date. Doctoral level. Oh, what's the lowest level you can be with BCBA? Well, you can be a BCBA straight, just straight, and that means you have a master's degree. Okay. You can be a BCABA, which means you have a uh, bachelor's degree. Okay. You can be an RBT, registered behavior tech. Ruth Bader Tinsburg. Tinsburg. We've made yeah. this joke before. Ah. Uh. Sorry, <laughs> it's not original to you or to me because you said it. Okay, well, cut that out. Um, and that's with a diploma, high school diploma, an RBT. Can you be a BCBAA, an amateur? No. Just like an enthusiast? No. BCBAA? I already told you all the ones you could be. I wasn't listening. <laughs> well, you're the highest one. Yeah, I am. You should create a higher one called BCBAS, BCBA Supreme, mm, which is the highest. That's funny level of taco you can get at taco bell okay well i'll i'll you'll allow it i'll put my mind to it put your mind where your money is and your money where your mouth is who are you i'm dr mike i'm a licensed clinical psychologist i do not recognize any board and so no board recognizes me <laughs> and i am uh, i'm a human above all else human being i was once a human being now i'm a human doing <laughs> man you can tell the state of our lives that you're laughing at that. It's good. That was a good one. Oh, thank you. Well, it better be. I have it tattooed in Latin on my lower back. Aw. I just want to start off. I know we usually banter a little bit and then thank our listeners. But I would like to thank our listeners now. While they're uh, still listening. Yeah, exactly. Because I started trying. I had a podcast recommendation for someone who gave to me this week and I tried it. What was it? What was it? Who gave it to you? Um, uh, it was actually on Facebook. It was a recommendation from a group. From it was, Zuckerberg? A, it was a type of, it was a therapy podcast and it was unlistenable. I, oh. I tried for like four minutes and then I was like, you That's know what? Time. Maybe that was a bad episode. So I went and I tried another episode. It was like, I tried for like a minute on that one. I was like, I can't do this. Mm. I can't. It's not good. So I was wondering what the average listen is that people give before they decide they're not into it. Yeah. I guess you, many of you have given many hours of listening. Really stuck with us. And, and one of these ones is going to get good. You're not, hopefully you're still into it. You're like, oh man. I heard that by episode 55, they really hit their stride. <laughs> what number is this? At- 49? Oh, we have three... To how does math work? <laughs> Three more For, weeks. Yeah, it's but it is Easter today, and that was the first day of our recording was last year's Easter. But Easter's a, a, a mobile holiday. It is. Why? 
Is it the fourth? It's it has to do with oh, the and- the moon cycle, and I don't. No one ever answered that question when I asked that in religion class. <laughs> is it a different calendar? Like no, it like just the moves. Jewish calendar is the you know different. So that's why holidays are on different days. Yeah. No, this one is. I think it's like the third Sunday after the equinox. Is that fucker across the street playing his music like that? That motherfucker is blasting his music, staring at us. Really? He's he is. He's also he's stopped drinking. Oh, he's, I saw you drink wine. He's drinking a glass of red wine to show he's classy now after I went up to his porch and <laughs> yelled at him. What a piece of shit. I literally threatened that man. I hope that fan flies off and severs his throat. It is wobbling aggressively. Yeah. Now he's probably like, look at those motherfuckers on their microphones talking at me. The other thing is I was thinking this week is that um, a lot of podcasts are now like people staying at home and recording, you know, at their home. Yeah. Instead of going and into then the they studio. Spend- 20 to 30 minutes talking about how weird it is that they're doing it remotely. Well, also, have you heard people be like, I'm in my closet. Yeah. Record- like, do, are we, is it sound, the sound? Are we, no. do we sound bad? Maybe they meant like no, metaphorically. They like, no, they like people are like, I'm literally in my closet. They're just doing it for attention. <laughs> we don't even have a closet to get into. No, we're not bawling out of control. I did listen to, um, I th- it was either 538 or the hot takedown. But they, one of the guys has, he lives in an apartment and he has a child. So he has to go into his car to record. Mm. But that that's more because like a child's going to be bothering him. Mm-hmm. We have no kids. Yeah. We don't have kids. We don't have closets. No, no, no K, no C. Poor. We are closet poor. Well, we do have closets. They're just, we live in a really old house. They're full of skeletons though. And <laughs> they're just tiny. Like they used to have like two sets of clothes. People, yeah, they had their work clothes, their church clothes. And then they were nude the entire time they were home. So I just... Uh, so you listened to a podcast that sucked. Yeah, it was not good. Good. I'm glad that people stuck Did with Did you leave a review that said this sucks? No, I just I just stopped listening. Okay. And won't again. Okay. But there are probably people who visit us and start listening and are like unlistenable. I, I do want to let you know we just got our first one star review. <gasps> There's no content to it. It's just someone clicked one star. And oh! it was too much of a fucking coward to say why. Oh! that's amazing i can only speculate it's a person from my past that listened and we're like oh i remember i hated you um one star oh that's crazy but now it gives all the five stars more weight in my Maybe mind it's like i knew this what, okay so back when netflix would let you rate stars mm-hmm. you know how we feel for how you liked movies how now like it's just movies. a thumbs up or a thumbs down yeah. right yeah uh, so crude they've changed so many things they, i want to be friends ch- with someone again on netflix on an episode of community they I referred know, to someone are. as their netflix friend i, I was like ah oh, we need that back we do need that the other oh yeah so what i was gonna say was um that was an abrupt left-hand turn yeah was thinking aback thinking <laughs> uh-oh i have brain damage from the lead paint that i scraped mm-hmm. off the window today yeah. well you were taste testing it uh does lead paint taste good i think i remember something yeah. like it tastes like it has oh the once you sweet. taste lead paint you you can't eat any other paint <laughs> all right so i knew this person back when you could rate movies on netflix by stars and she would only give a one star or a five star she's the reason why we have thumbs yes. up thumbs now now she's the bad guy Sh- maybe she's the one rating us do you still have her phone number probably not we should call her okay well i don't know how to find her so do you, do you have a computer in front of you? All right. Moving on. Google her. What's going on? What else? Um, This might not be the most uh, PC thing to say because of the state of other parts of the country, but it is getting super hot outside here. 
Because my parents called me the other day from New York and they're like, well, it snowed last night. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, it's like, it feels like a hundred outside. I can't stop sweating. I I pooled so much sweat in the bathroom the other day while oh, standing I there know. that I slipped in it. Yeah, I, I had to put a little sign up so I don't sue myself. <laughs> but I did that. We had a, a distance hang in someone's front yard. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to do that more often though. Just like even when this is done, I, I don't want to get more than six feet from someone. I just like that there's no like, oh, we hug, we shake hands or whatever. No, you bow. Well, it's like you don't have to even think about that anymore. You just from afar wave and then sit down. My favorite part was that he put a can of beer in a trash bag (laughs) and then he tossed it. He rolled it to you. He rolled it in between our two hangs. (laughs) And then I very tentatively walked, opened the bag with my foot and then pulled the beer out. (laughs) That's got to stay. I've never felt more cool while drinking. Drinking already is a cool activity, but that, that really ratcheted it up. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I fell yesterday while running. Yep. You had a bloody knee. I My knee bled. Like I a child. Bru- bruised my hand. I did it one mile in. I did it in front of a lot of people. I popped back up as if it was part of my workout. <laughs> like there was no moment where I like, oh, I'm going to sit here for a second. I touched down, popped back up, kept going. And then when I was no longer around people, I stopped and there's like blood pouring down my knee. And I was like, good. Good for me. Yeah. That really sucks. I'm sorry. It's okay. I used it as a mindful activity though. Because my mind was like, just go home. You're done. And Aww. I was like, I'm just going to notice that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see how long can I go with my brain saying I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Get curious about and it. And I ran six miles. Sweet. Good job, baby. I ran five miles on a bloody knee, one mile. Why do you run on your knee? Because <laughs> it's part of my training. All right. So should we just get into it? Or do we have any reviews? We besides have two that? reviews. We do? Mm-hmm. One star and then something else? No. The one star, remember, has no content. I wish they would. I know. I keep saying that. If you are listening right now and you're like, I'm about to turn this off and give you one star, tell us why. Yeah. Constructive feedback. Yeah. It's like when... when um, Make it targeted. And I have a student in class who provides feedback and is like, I didn't like when you said something. I didn't like when you said something. Yeah. It's like, what did I say? I mean, I say a lot of things. Yeah. I had a review once. Or like a comment you made in... No, this is what it was. A comment you made in class made me uncomfortable. I've gotten that before. Like That could literally be anything. I one time got a review that said, one time you said a comment that I did not like. (laughs) Like, You've been in this class for 16 weeks. I I say a lot of bullshit. Tell me what it was. You probably don't even tell me because... I probably will say it again because I can't help it. I'm going to double down. I did... I I had a kid approach me once telling me that i made a 9-11 joke and he didn't find it at all funny yeah and i i didn't though i was like what are you talking about and he's like you said something like what what grade were you all in 9-11 like like kindergarten i was like i was in first grade like you're making it seem like we're all like such young kids like first of all that's not a 9-11 joke also i like how the you always have the same voice of the person who confronts you <laughs> he, he did talk like that though he was very dude i know bro-y. but i'm just saying yeah i've noticed but yeah, he got mad because I made a comment on how old they were during 9-11. He then said... One star review. What, when I talked to him about it, I was trying to be very like, oh, I'm really sorry if I made you uncomfortable. He's like, yeah, but like you made it seem like 9-11 was a big deal. I had a friend whose dad was a firefighter. I was like, did he... Was he there at 9-11? No, but he was a first responder. Just like in the world. Okay. It, it, it reminded me of the Kirby Enthusiasm episode where... Uh, Larry David knew someone who said his like his dad died on 
but his dad had a heart attack like <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> two states away on the same day. I know. I do know that. Yeah. Um, all right. What's what, reviews? Do you, think that, do you think that person's pregnant or? Okay. All right. Reviews. Okay. Two reviews. Two reviews. Two reviews. We're going to read two reviews. Uh, first one, educative. Nope. Yeah, it is. Educative and entertaining. Educative. Educative. <laughs> From R G A N O N. Thank you, Ragnon. Uh, they say, I love this podcast and have binge listened to it over the past few weeks to Sweet. get caught up on it. I love the banter and the jokes that accompany some more serious topics. Sweet. I feel this helps me retain the information better. Also, will you fart in my sandwich? <laughs> Just kidding. That was a callback to a previous episode. I have no idea what that means. Did I, I say something? Yeah. I, I semi... Were we talking about some... Yeah. We're talking about something you take on the plane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a fart sandwich. Yes. Okay. I like it. That was hilarious. Keep up the wonderful show. Thanks. Other one, Miriam so Shep. Why aren't more people listening? That's what we wonder. That's what I wonder. She said, I... Love the podcast as usual. Uh, she has, I think she reviewed before on Facebook. And now she's finally gotten onto iTunes. Uh, your stickers are having a very fun time being plastered around upstate New York. Uh, maybe you've done an episode on it before, but I would love to hear one on face dysmorphia. Oh, do we do face blindness? Mm-mm, we should. What did we do once? That was we like... did the man who mistook his wife for a hat, yes. which is like comparable or different. Uh, maybe I'll do that next time. I'll do another Oliver, Oliver Sacks case study. Thanks, friends. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, those are reviews. Reviews. Um, we. I mean, what? Gonna talk about? Yeah, the people who ask, and we also wonder this: Why aren't more people listening? Let's try to get more people to listen. Yeah, everyone. Have that be your committed action for this week. Yeah, smart goals. Yep. One year later. <laughs> I know it now. S. Uh, specific. M. Measurable. A action oriented yeah r i don't know realistic realistic l <laughs> oh smalt goals smalt goals um have you listened to your smart goals <laughs> t is time sensitive yep you nailed it yeah everyone if you're if you want to do a smart goal find two friends have them listen to the podcast and then tell it, them to find two tell friends. them to find two friends if you get in early enough you're at the top of this pyramid <laughs> Yeah, yeah just think about that how you're what do they call them their uplines you'll be someone's upline in no time oh my god mm-hmm. you're gonna be you're gonna be downstream from so many uplines and we're gonna pay you in stickers we're gonna pay the, you in stickers you get 500 stickers and then the, if you recruit two people if you recruit 10 people you're gonna get a t-shirt but that, we need don't we need say evidence that because we need you, evidence it's almost a year and you are still haven't because produced because our music. financial coach said i shouldn't make them don't believe her. She said... We don't have the money. <laughs> we don't have the money. She said, you are already in debt. Why are you making t-shirts? And I said, why are we meeting at a Panera? We do have a lot of student loan debt. Let's be clear about that. Yeah. We're both PhDs. Diana, you have we to both, spend money to make money. We both have PhDs in fields that are not as profitable. Not real cash cows. We recently... My backup plan was what? to get a PhD in poetry. That actually would pay worse. So I, know, I think we're good. That's the joke. Um, IO psychology, way better. Yeah. Way higher. Dr. Salary. Logan. Maybe we, know, we saw you. Maybe he can pay for some t shirts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. With his IO dollar bills. Um What cool. are we doing here today? Yeah. What are we? We're uh, uh, what, are we, what, what are we doing are we here? Doing? <laughs>
That's a one star for some from someone. Someone's probably. like, oh my god, when they do that voice, <laughs> one star. All right, cool, cool, cool. So guess, guess what we're doing today? Podcast. A podcast about about psychology. And how I, about you, you should probably put the microphone in front of your mouth. We're doing a podcast about how to put the microphone in front of your mouth. Yeah, it's okay. only been a year. So the reason that I wanted to do the topic today that I'm doing is okay. because we're going to Quentin Tarantino this. I'm going to memento this. Yeah. I'm going to forget what you're talking about every 30 <laughs> seconds. I have these random tattoos. Yeah. Don't know what they mean, but I'll figure it out along the way. Yeah. I have a tattoo that says, thank our listeners. Um, so we may be coming full circle. Well, we were much more. Um, oh, sorry. What's the word? What people don't realize right now that, is that this speech is completely written out. <laughs> Oh, we're becoming a much more conforming culture versus an individualistic culture. That's what the goths say. So the coronavirus, the people are suggesting that the coronavirus pandemic is going to... Eat the weak. Well, it's going... No, it's going to make us more conformist. Mm. Um, Not conformist. That's... Sheeple. What's, what is the opposite of individual? Collectivistic. Collectivistic. Collectivist. Unitarian. Collectivist. We may be more conforming and more collectivist after the coronavirus okay. pandemic than we've been before. Is that a bad thing? Um, no, but individualism has... So this kind of rugged individualism... I'm seriously brain damaged. This rugged individualism yep. that we have or we've had has really proliferated over the past... 60, 70 years. So after World War II, we were a much more collectivist society. Mm -hmm. And since then, we have evidence that that's been decreasing while individualism has been increasing. Yeah. So after World War II, I think because we sort of had this like rah-rah Our country is great. Our country is amazing. We won the war kind of thing. I learned recently that the most censured war of all time Mm -hmm. was World War II. Like our government had uh, such a tight control oh. over the story and the narrative, which yeah. is why it's like we are we are the heroes. We fought Jerry and Jerry. That's what they call Germans. Oh, what? I've never heard that before. Yeah. So uh, I I was listening to a PC and they were talking about um pod- podcast. <laughs> yeah, I got it. And they're ask they were talking about like uh, war journalism and like which ones were more open and which ones weren't. Like mm-hmm. the, the Vietnam War was one of the most uncontrolled narratives. Yeah. Because we're like we had tv in the home for the first time right. and it was so un uncharted territory where yeah. before like if you wanted to learn about world war ii you had to go to the movie theater and right before there was the update and it was like the movie theater yeah but, uh, but you would go to see, to see a movie in the first like 10 minutes were just the news really yeah it'd be like wow looks like jerry's over the horizon but here come our boys <laughs> and there's like a two dudes in a plane with their thumbs up smoking lucky strikes but because of that like that really shaped how we embraced the people coming home too. It was like, oh, thank you for saving us. Like you are all the supermen. Whereas other wars, it's just like harder because we we see this horrible thing, like what war really looks like, and and we're like, oh, why did you do that? I think in well, in World War Two, there was like a clear what we said was bad, you know, a clear bad guy, like a clear like enemy. And I don't think in subsequent wars we've had that as much. So we tried to. Yeah. Well, we've definitely tried to paint that narrative. But but anyways, so after World War II, there was a lot of collectivism, a lot of um, like social security. 
<laughs> a lot of patriotism. And, and, you know, there were researchers who were really interested uh, about how the phenomenon of World War II happened with Hitler. Mm. <laughs> Today we're on a walk and I asked Dr. Mike, um, do you think a lot of people name their kids Hitler? And he said, well, that'd be weird because it's a last name. Yeah, it wasn't his first name. <laughs> and then you said, what was his first name? And I said, said, you know, you know it. I said Adolf. Yeah, you, I knew you knew it. I did know it. Yeah. I was testing you. But as a last name, it's gone out of fashion. People have changed their last name well away from Hitler. Well, I just, whatever. All right. Pol Pot. Much more <laughs> that was my joke. That was your joke. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I give an intake citation. So, so social psych researchers in particular are really interested in the social phenomenon of World War II and, and um, conformity. And as a parallel, I always like to remind people that social psychology as a field comes from gestalt psychology and almost all of the early researchers in social psych were germans that is that escaped nazi germany and came to america oh that's interesting yes so i think one of the main people we're going to talk about is one of those people who was basically like blocked from doing research in nazi germany and lost a lot of funding and so he left and came to america was he he was oh he's born in 1907 okay so i'm going to talk about some solomon ash elliot was his middle name elliot he was a Polish-American Gestalt psychologist. Yeah. And a pioneer in social psychology. Ooh. He is the 41st most cited psychologist of the 20th century. He's great. Yeah, so he's he's had a lot of um he's had a lot of influence. Tell me tell me a little bit about Ash. Ash Ketchum, we like to call him. Oh, well, he actually immigrated. So, he was born in Poland. Okay. And um he was a Jewish he was a Polish Jewish family. <laughs> okay. In that order? Yeah. He was from a Polish Jewish family. Okay. And um, he actually came to the US in 1920, so well before okay. World War II. Well, I was wrong then. Um, Fuck me. <laughs> so he he didn't speak. Well, he was he 13. Speak a, a when lick he of English. Here. No, he didn't speak English. And Did he ever um, learn English? He did. He was in New York City and he learned English by reading Charles Dickens. Oh. He always, oh, I have a hunk of wood stuck on my finger. Um, yeah, he always, actually, he was known for talking like a little, uh, like a scamp. <laughs> Most of his language was pickpocket based. <laughs> that was the most amazing sound. Is your tooth okay? Oh, that was so painful. <laughs> Why is it hard for me to keep my microphone away from my teeth? Oh, man. He went to City College of New York. Oh. Mm-hmm. He Safety school. Um, and then he went on to get his graduate degree at Columbia. And initially was interested in anthropology. Yeah, who wasn't? Who didn't um, have that phase where they wanted to be Indiana Jones? He um He was an archaeologist though. His master's thesis, this is interesting, was a statistical analysis of the test scores of 200 children under the supervision of Woodworth. So Woodworth is a um one of the beginning IQ people. So was Um, he looking to see if they could like predict anything? Doesn't say. Um he has master's degree in 1930. He this is dumb. This is a dumb dissertation. (laughs) His, most his, dissertations though are dumb when you yeah, look at them his doctoral dissertation examined whether all learning curves have the same form no of course they don't people learn at different rates all right mike's out 
he got his PhD in 1932. Uh, he... Yeah, he became friends with this person and that person. Um, he started teaching at Brooklyn College. And then in 1947, he moved to Swarthmore College, where he stayed for 19 years. Um, it was the major center for scholars of Gestalt psychology. Can you talk like a bit about Gestalt psychology? Yeah, of course. Now? Do I, oh, do you want to do it right now? Well, just yes. do, just a, give me a Gestalt of the Gestalt. You know what I mean? Well, it's a great example. <laughs> so Gestalt psychology is the idea that the whole is greater than the parts themselves. And so it's a lot of the research on what impact collectively do, do things have as you add other pieces to it. And so kind of like from the standpoint of what became social psychology, that's looking a lot at what's the, what's the impact of all these elements like as they contribute to people's behaviors and so it's looking a lot like a lot of individual differences and the the factors like in the environment and learning and that like as you add things in right there. well how does the person fit into the culture yes social psychology right yeah um actually social psychology was my favorite undergrad class well, is that I why took. you fell in love with me that has nothing to do with you. What are you doing? Do you have, have a, a tweezer? I mean, do you have a splinter? Yeah. I have a really bad splinter. Do you want me to get it out? Kind of. I, I feel like we should. Yeah, yeah let's pause. Are we back? Oh, my God. We're back. Oh, that, that was, was a, deep. That was a hunk of 100-year-old wood in my finger. I think I got some old-timey disease from it. Think I'm going to lose my finger now? Do you need to get in an iron lung? Oh my god, I wish. Okay, so okay, okay. Um, he taught as a professor of psychology. Oh, until he retired in 1979. Oh. Um, and he was emeritus professor until 1996, which is what you get when you are a big deal and you leave a university. And you just. And then you just keep a mailbox there. You're farting around. Um, he you... also had visiting posts at Harvard and MIT. Cool. No Johns Hopkins here, though. Ding, ding. Um, he was interested in how humans form impressions of other human beings. He demonstrated through his experiments that forming an impression has three, four elements. Yeah. You ready? One is the voice. One is the, the body mannerisms. Three is like a catchphrase that people identify. Four is your breath. Four is your breath. How your breath smells. Four is your breath. <laughs> it's right here. Uh, he, the four elements were uh, that... Forming an impression is an organized process that characteristics are perceived differently in relation to other characteristics. Central qualities are discovered, causing a distinction between them and peripheral qualities. Mm -hmm. How long is your first impression? Um, and then relations of harmony and contradiction are observed. All right. Yeah, that's all in a blink of an eye. Okay, so that's a little bit about him. He did not come to the United States during the war. That's what we learned. Came before the war. He knew it was coming. I wonder though. why he. I wonder why their family came. Who knew? Who knows? When did Germany invade Poland? I'm gonna say 1930. We're gonna look. 1939. Really? Yeah. September 1st. Wait, it was so much later than I. I thought Germany. I don't know. I'm now I'm confused because I. Yeah. Whatever. All Doesn't this time matter. I thought. Oh, it was that in the makes 80s. sense because um the bombing of World War. Uh, bombing of world war ii the bombing of Nagasaki. hawaii hawaii pearl harbor pearl harbor yeah was in 1941 yeah 
Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so that makes more sense. So I was we we let them chill out for another two years after they invaded Poland, and we chilled we chilled out for a long time after they, for for a while after they bombed Pearl Harbor. Well, yeah, we had a plan. <laughs> All right, so enough about history. You ever watch that movie Pearl Harbor? Yeah, it's not good. Not not good. Ben Alec, Affleck. Alec Baldwin's in it too. Is it Ben Affleck? It's Ben Affleck. It's it's Cuba Gooding. Really? Yeah. Cuba. Alec Baldwin. Okay, so Ash was interested in studying conformity, right? So he yeah. um, he devised a series of experiments. Cool. And he wanted to see how individuals yielded or defied the majority group. Okay. What did he do? You might associate Ash or people who've t- taken social psych in high school or undergrad or whatever. It's, I always remember him as the line dude. Yeah. Yeah. So he conducted his first conformity experiment at Swarthmore. Where is Swarthmore? I don't know. I actually was just going to look Never that heard up. of this. Is this still a school? Um, it is a private liberal arts college. The boarding school for wayward boys. Oh, it's a member of the Tri-College Consortium along with Bryn Mawr and Haverford College. So I've heard of those, but not this one. I've heard of those. Um, yeah, so... Oh, interesting. Listen to this. Despite the school's small size, Swarthmore alumni have a, have attained prominence in a broad range of fields. Graduates include five Nobel Prize winners, 11 MacArthur Foundation Fellows, 30 Rhodes Scholars, 27 Truman Scholars, 10 Marshall Scholars, 201 Fulbright gar- grantees. How many of those overlap, though? I don't think many. Could you oh. be a Nobel Prize? In- well, I don't know. I had a roommate in college who was a Rhodes Scholar. That doesn't make any difference to what I was just saying. Yeah, that's a weird brag. All right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about your roommates, but mine was a Rhodes Scholar. That's a pretty big deal. Um, I mean, Bill Clinton was also a Rhodes Scholar, so. Cool. I wonder how many presidents were Rhodes Scholars. This is real off topic. Do you think the current one is? <laughs> Probably not. Are you ready for uh, me to tell you about the lines? I've been buckled up for a while. The lines. Group of eight male college students participated in a simple perceptual task. In reality, all but one of the participants were actors. And the true focus of the study was about how the remaining participant would react to the actor's behavior. So everyone except one person was an actor. We call them confederates. That's a lot of pressure because if you defy the group, you it's you against seven other people. Yeah. Which is interesting because I'll talk a little bit more about group size. They've, you know, replicated this study in many different ways across time. And one of the conditions was like uh, manipulating the group size. But um, so basically what happened is um, each student viewed a card with a line on it, followed by another card labeled with A, B and C. One of these lines is the same as that on the first card, and the other two lines were clearly longer or shorter. Each participant was then asked to say aloud which line matched the length of that on the first card. They would always unanimous, unanimously nominate one, endorse one of the lines, but clearly one of the very different lines. So B was always the same as the original card, and the group would either endorse A or endorse C. And they would go around to each person and say, which one do you think is the same which one do you think is the same which one do you think is the same right and that's the key element right and they would go around and out loud the participants quote unquote who were confederates would say either a or c and they would all say the same one and then it got to the person 
the one true participant and lots of people said yeah i don't know how many people um it's a pretty huge percentage if i remember correctly and the, the yes okay the majority oh sorry go for it what were you gonna say i'll say the two really important things to remember for this study it's not a gray area thing so the line the correct answer was very obvious and mm-hmm. the two incorrect answers were laughably wrong and then the other thing is that they're asking for people to verbally give their answer one at a time so by the time you get to your turn you've already heard six people all say the same wrong answer so the results so they had a control group where people just said the clear answer to the line or said different answers and it was just a miss a a mixed bag of people saying different things yeah and in that group less than one percent of individuals got it wrong fewer than one percent and you know who that one person was they got it wrong your grandpa ray charles (laughs) <laughs> um little man i think that was probably an exclusionary factor if you couldn't see well I, they didn't specifically list that so how would you know well they didn't ask him because he was playing the piano they're like he must be able to see <laughs> okay um let's let him in ash so but in the actor condition which is the one with the seven confederates and one participant a uh, majority of participants responses did not conform. So 63.2% did not conform. So they said the correct oh. line. But 36.8% did conform. That's still way more than less than 1%. Right, exactly. But still, it's not as many as I remember. That's funny how my mind shifts to make it seem like this overwhelming response. So they ran multiple trials with these cards. Um, and it basically overall 75% of participants gave at least one incorrect answer out of the 12 trials. So maybe that's the number you're thinking of. Yes. So there was a difference. Um, there was a, a statistically significant difference between the conditions. So there were interviews that were done afterwards and they, they found that participants who conformed to the majority on at least 50% of trials reported reacting with what Ash called a distortion of perception. These participants expressed the belief that the actor's answers were correct and were apparently unaware that the majority were giving correct answers. Among the other participants, so that was distortion of perception. Among the other participants, Ash termed that they had distortion of judgment. And um, these participants concluded that they must be wrongly interpreting the stimuli and that the majority must be right, leading them to the an- to answer with the ma- majority. And they characterize them as low levels of confidence. Um, the final group of participants, they called a distort. They had a distortion of action. These subjects reported they knew the correct answer, but conformed with the majority group simply because they didn't want to seem out of step. Mm. So essentially, there were dumb people. Yep. There were low confidence people. Yep. And there were sheep. Sheep. Yeah. There were the donkeys. So these were all men, white men. The chickens. By the way, and the sheep. These were all white men, and they all were college age. Yeah. Um, participants. So, you know, you might ask if that differs by culture or group size or yeah gender or, I mean, there's a lot of questions, right? I yeah, there's specific groups I feel like. W- this would work better on and work worse on. So, Oh, this reminds me of an experiment. Remind me to talk about it later. It's, I think it's really funny. Do you want us to talk about it now? Sure. Okay. So this is, this is partially conformity, 
based, but this is also more uh, authority based, which is like an offshoot of the Ash stuff. But I was teaching at a university a while back and this research group approached me to ask to do a study in my class where a person was going to walk into my classroom without me being in there, like at the beginning of the class and say that they were part of the school and they had to put their phones in a box. And basically what they're looking was like, how much will people conform to just authority? Not so much the group conformity, but authority conformity. And they had already done this study like five times during, I was, I was teaching at night at the time, but they they already done the study five times during the day. And they got like huge responses where like if the first person put their phone in, everyone put their phone in. And then it got to my class, which was nighttime. Mm-hmm. And so it was mostly mostly African-American, mostly older, mostly like people who are working. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was also a lot of like African-American females. Who, what was the point of putting the phone in the box? Like why why did they say that was necessary in the study? They didn't even say. Oh, They, they just, just said, said, hey, I'm with the school. You need to put your phone in the box. During the day, people were like, all right, here's my phone. I was outside the door and like, this poor girl came in and said it. And these two, these two African-American women were like, uh-uh, not today. <laughs> and they like flipped out. And then I, I came in afterwards zero people in my class put their phones in the box and i was talking to them afterwards i was like hey, what was the impression and one or two people who were like up front they were like younger kids and they were like yeah i was getting my phone ready and then like she flipped out and i was like oh she's right why are we doing this mm-hmm. but there was this one really sweet older black lady who was a preacher and i was like oh what was your experience of it in my mind i was like this can go like in a lot of different ways and she was like well i was on the f- she was, she was the nicest woman. She was like, I was on the phone and I saw this person walk in and say, put your phones in the box. And I said to my husband, honey, stay close. You might have to call me from prison because someone trying to steal my phone. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. And the, the girl who did the experiment was in the room too. And she just goes, oh my God. And so, <laughs> yeah, these impacts are much, are very different based on like the, the life of the person who's in it. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank and you. also, um, so it's interesting that the first person um, said no, because that can have an impact, yeah. right? That's yeah, yeah. The, All the that's cascade effect. social pressure as well. There are a variety of studies, but the presence of a true partner actually made a difference. So if you're you, my true partner, uh, I'll, I'll do, I'll look to you for whatever you answer you want to provide and I'll partner you yeah. with it. I'll Unless tug it's on my really ear. stupid. Yeah, I'll tug on my ear if we're going to revolt against the group. Okay. I'm glad we had this talk. Yeah, publicly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even if there's the same number of people in the group, the, if there's one other person in there who says, whatever, the line is the same one you would have guessed, they found that people are more likely to more likely to say the right, the correct line. Okay. Okay. So interestingly, when there's a true partner, I just told you what would happen. And then if that partner is withdrawn, like somehow called out of the room, the level of conformity goes up significantly. Oh, don't leave me. Yeah. I won't. Yeah. So then there were like differences in size um, of groups, um, oh. written responses. I feel like that would lower the pressure of the group if yes. you're writing a response. So that was the big conformity experiments that he conducted. Since then, there's been a number of studies and it's been hard to replicate exactly what he found. Um, so different studies with like we're talking about different age people, different gender, different, you know, um, cultural background. And the one hypothesis is that we're get like I was saying before, we were becoming more individualistic as a culture. And so people were less likely to conform. Okay. In ooh, what year was this published? Oh, in 1996. I was going to say 1994. There was a meta-analysis um, of conformity studies. 
um, and it it looked at how many? Oh, 133 studies drawn from 17 cr- countries. The analysis of U.S. studies found that conformity had declined since the 1950s. Okay. So the dichotomy in this meta-analysis they were looking at was um, the concept of individualism, collectivism. So that scale, that's where most of you could predict the results based on that paradigm. The summary of study characteristics. So there were 97 from the U.S., five from Japan. I'm not going to read every one, but okay. I'm just giving you a, a, a sampling, right? Mm, smattering, if you will. Two from Fiji. Ooh, yeah. Who's one, doing Fiji research? I don't know. Let's the move rock. there and let's move there and help them. Oh, he's, he's from Samoa. Um, Ghana, one study. Lebanon, one study. Zimbabwe, one study. They're an up and coming force. There's a difference in relation of majority to participant. So some were acquaintances, friends, strangers, out of group member, out group members, blah blah blah. They looked at the size of the group. Um, all the way from studies with two other people to 13 other people, all men, 65 of the studies were all men. So anyways, you're getting us a, a, a lot of different ways to look at it. Yeah, there's a lot of different studies, yeah. and a lot of different you things. You could be American, on. you could be Fijian, you could be a man or a woman. So what do you think they found? That conformity was going down over time. <laughs> I'm just going scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Scroll, 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 scroll. Right. What are the Q values? This is what people are really tuning in for. I think this is when people are stopping and are giving like, us just, one star. Yeah. Ooh, doo, doo, doo. Consistent with previous research, conformity was significantly higher when there was a larger size of the majority. So like they would section it off to like, I don't know, three out of five of you are going to agree or, you know, two out of seven of you are going to oh, oh, say was, one thing. I was reading that more as there was more people in like the majority like white men or whatever the majority would be in that culture get this conformity was significantly higher when there was a greater proportion of female respondents Mm. that fucking sucks girls go to the bathroom together Uh, another thing that predicted conformity was the majority so the people saying it was a line that it clearly wasn't were outgroup members or right, when the majority did not consist of outgroup members so if you go into a room and you don't like see anyone in there that you would be friends with i guess necessarily Let's like identify with or yeah 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 sorry yeah, so it's like, identify with yeah if you're in a room and you're like a young hispanic man and then it's a room full of white women and yeah. they're all saying the wrong thing. Right. You're like, man, these women be crazy. Right. Because you'd attribute it to something else. Yeah. Interestingly, so they, one of the things that they looked at was the ash materials. So the exact same materials. Yeah. Versus ash-like materials. So they used okay. other things, other stimulus materials that were similar in like idea, but different. So it might be like, which block is the same color or, yeah. you know, whatever. If P- if studies used the ash paradigm, they were, they had more conformity than studies that didn't use that. Hmm. Something about ash's lines. Something about those lines. I also know that conformity is higher the more ambiguous the stimuli That's is. That's with the other finding. That's absolutely true. Thank you. Um. So they also, this was the big finding of like over time, we've become less conforming. So going back to, that's kind of all I want to say related to that, because I want to go back to that original thing that I talked about is that um, Netflix party, we may be more conforming again after the coronavirus pandemic. Why do you think that is? Because 
we maybe we're relying on each other more or we're more isolated. And so we're like, oh, I'm, I want to be with more people. There's more online peer pressure. Yeah. I mean, we sort of have to conform to make it through this. Yeah. I mean, by have to conform, I mean people who are not at the Walmart in Tampa on Hillsborough Avenue. Because yeah. that is a group of address? non-conforming individuals. Those are a bunch of individuals. Those... Free spirits. Yes, they are. That's where they all go, apparently. Yeah, that is the free spirit Walmart. But yeah, I mean, to survive, we have to... and. To survive, we have to not only like peer pressure each other a bunch, yeah. um, but really to shame each other. What do you mean? Just use shaming as a, a social tool to get people to conform. Some of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some people, but then there's also like celebrities saying stay at home. There's like an Instagram sticker that you can put on your pictures and says stay at home. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of things going on that are influencing people's behaviors to conform and all kind of fall in line. Yeah. Right. So... Interestingly, okay. past research in psychology has suggested that societies with higher pathogen exposure are more likely to endorse societal collectivism. Oh, like whom? China? Well, China definitely, but that's I don't that's not causal. And I don't know that it is causal necessarily. Like I'm not saying that just because you have more virus issues, you right. have more conformity. I do know that and this is so loosely related that uh, the countries that experienced the H1N1 outbreak the worst embraced the social distancing mindset the fastest this time around. Hmm. They're like, oh, yep, we got to do this. Versus here where we didn't really experience any pandemics of that gravity for a very long time. So people were very skeptical of it. Oh, I can tell you which countries it is. Um, equatorial countries that have had the most um, highest degree of pathogen risk. Um, like ones on the equator? Yeah, that's what that means. Okay. And they're suggesting that with coronavirus spreading throughout the world, it's possible that collectivism will become less geographically constrained. And another another thing that might happen with the coronavirus pandemic is a rise in xenoph- xenophobic attitudes. Um, I mean, I, we, I can already see that happening. Oh, yeah. And the more conforming and collectivist a culture is, um, the more they make sharp distinctions between in-group and out-group. Yeah. Whoops. Um, yeah. Oops. So there's pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep using those Instagram stickers. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, the, it's just, it, it's what it is. And it will be, you know, there will be years after this of research around yeah, the impact ha- of it. Yeah, the impact of it. And what what is happening with people's attitudes about various things as mm-hmm. a result. Yeah. What's your attitude? Good. Good. Generally. Do you have a bad attitude? No. I mean, no? I think I'm doing pretty well, actually. I think I have a good attitude um, yeah. for the most part through this. I mean, it's been stressful. I've noticed that, you're, that your top lip is stiff, which is good. <laughs> it's smoothie stained and stiff. I know. Well, now it's smoothie beauty marked. Thank you. Thank you. I got to pee. Okay. So is there anything else you want to say? Um, no, I, I, I love the Ash study and all his conformity studies. Um, I th- this is a really good topic. I think one thing I, I think it'd be fun to come back to is talking about um, conformity and social proofing. Mm. Just so just talking about how like when you're in a group or a society where there's specific things, you can only really learn how to do it through observation. Because mm-hmm. I've definitely had those experiences when traveling. But no, beyond that, uh, I think you did a great job. Uh, I hope we both have great weeks coming up. 
And I hope our listeners have great weeks. I hope our listeners have even better weeks than we do. And I think we're going to have great weeks. So, yeah. And I hope, you know, if you are out there alone um, with this quarantine, go back and listen to Katie, Dr. Katie's episode um, on loneliness, loneliness versus aloneness. Yeah. And um, if, you, if you're lonely, you want to say hi, shoot us an email. Or a Rev, DM. Rev.sitecast at gmail.com or, or a DM on Facebook. Uh, review us, get friends to listen, and then we can, we'll keep growing. We'll have a virtual Zoom meeting with everyone. Yeah, our, all of our listeners on a Zoom call. <laughs> and you can observe us live. And I'm laying on a couch right now, so that's what you'll be seeing. Mm-hmm. All, right. Um, all right, you guys. And you, Dr. Mike. All right. I love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. What? What? Diana has left the room. The dogs are chasing her. And she just leaves unannounced.